This podcast is sponsored by FAT, F-A-T-T, a range of keto on-the-go snacks, including cookies, brownies, chocolate bites, bars, fat jacks, and muffins. Fat snacks are delicious, natural, and always free from sweeteners, fillers, and seed oils. Find fat snacks at www.livefat.com. That's L-I-V-E-F-A-T-T dot com. Use the code FABULOUSLY10, that's one zero, to give an extra 10% off one-time purchases. Not valid on subscribe and save. Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to another episode of the Fabulously Keto podcast. When I recorded this episode, it was at a time when I wasn't doing the intro. Um, I did go a few weeks when I didn't do it, but I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable about not doing the intro. This, it just didn't quite feel right. So I reverted back to doing the intro. So now you have two intro, two bios from Coach Bronson. Coach Bronson approached me and asked if he could be on the podcast. I'm so glad he did, and I hope you find it a fabulous uh, interview. So here's a bit about Bronson. Coach Bronson is over 50 and didn't start his fitness journey until his late 30s. Being 70 pounds overweight with IBS and health issues, he transformed his life with fitness and proper nutrition. Coach Bronson has spent over a decade coaching and helping people. Coach Bronson believes in an animal-based, low-carb nutritional approach. He emphasizes that fitness goes beyond aesthetics. It's about improving everyday life. His mission is helping others achieve physical freedom and say, yes, I can, to life's challenges. Fitness is freedom and freedom is your choice. Let's go over to the interview. Welcome, Coach Bronson, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Absolutely, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. And we always start with where in the world are you? I am in the U.S. I'm on the East Coast, right in between Baltimore and D.C. Ah, excellent. And tell us a little bit about you, because um, up until recently, we were doing intros. I was reading your intro, your bio before the podcast, Mm -hmm. but I've recently stopped doing that. So maybe just touch on your bio and tell um, people a little bit about you. Yeah, a little bit about me and where I'm coming from. So I've been a health and fitness coach for about 12 years, a little over 12 years. I got started on the fitness side, started figuring out things about nutrition, then started figuring out that all of coaching is really more about what's happening in the mind. 
and it's all ha- it's all in our head. All of our problems are in our head, Jackie. Just in case you didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and really, that's what coaching is all about. The fitness and the nutrition is easy. It's getting people to do the things they know they already need to do consistently. That's where the work comes into play, and that's where I spend a lot of my time now. So, um, as a coach, I find myself helping people figure out the mental game, figure out figuring out the uh, sorting out, I should say, the information that's out there that's conflicting. That's different that changes every week it's this it's that and finding out how best to make all these different things that are out there work for individuals excellent so now tell us a little bit about how because you've been doing fitness for 12 years and how do you how did you come across low carb keto carnivore yeah um, a lot of people start their journey doing whatever they feel is is the biggest thing they can make it, the easiest and biggest thing they can do to make a change, right? And for many people, that's nutrition. That's, oh, I know I need to stop drinking this soda or stop, cut back on alcohol, or I need to stop eating fried food, or I need to stop eating ice cream every night, whatever it may be. It always seems, because we feel like if we, we know that that's a great way to lose weight. And a lot of people feel in their head that the first thing they need to start doing is losing weight. Some people start with fitness and that was me. Um, you know, and for me, fitness was the first thing. Um, I realized that I didn't have the, the health that I was looking for. I didn't like the way my body looked. I was 70 pounds overweight. Uh, there was just a lot of things going on in my life that just weren't, weren't, didn't make me happy about myself. And so I started with fitness. I did that for a long time. I did that for several years, got really in shape, um, but didn't really get healthy. And it's kind of interesting. I want people to hear what I just said. I got in shape, but I didn't get healthy because they're not the same thing. I could do a lot of things physically. I improved my strength. I improved my endurance. I improved a lot of aspects of of, of overall health. My overall quality of life did improve. And I did make improvements in my health. But I still had other issues like acne, right? I still had issues with IBS. I still had issues with urgent bowels. I still had depression. I still had a lot of things that had nothing to do with my physical ability. And I talk a lot about helping people improve their physical ability, mostly because people seem to neglect physical ability for nutrition and forget that there's a, it's a two-sided coin. You need both. But for me, it was the other way around. I started with fitness and then had to find nutrition. So I made a lot of leaps and bounds forward. And then after six years or so of doing fitness. I owned a, I was a CrossFit gym. I was a coach. I was helping people improve their health and fitness and got to a point where I started gaining weight again. I started having more issues with urgent bowel, more issues with IBS, and things were going the opposite direction that I wanted them to go. And I thought like, what is going on? And then the physical things started happening. I started getting injured more often. I had chronic pain. I had, everything was just going the wrong direction. I'm like, wait a second, I'm working out. I'm doing all these things. I'm not eating crappy food, but there's got to be something else I can do. So let's look at the nutrition side of things. So I started out for me, I did a a, a three-week alcohol detox. I did a sugar detox, but I already didn't eat a lot of sugar. So for me, I cut out alcohol. And in the three-week time that I stopped drinking alcohol, I lost 10 pounds of body fat, not 10 pounds of weight, 10 pounds of just body fat. My muscle mass stayed the same. Everything else stayed the same. I literally just lost body fat by not drinking alcohol for three weeks. And that blew my mind. That made me go, wait a second. There's something else going on here that I'm missing. What you put in your mouth makes a difference. I need to understand why. 
And that set me off a whole nother journey mm-hmm. of self-discovery and learning that everything I knew about nutrition was absolutely wrong and having to relearn what actual good uh, human nutrition is all about. And in that process, I was introduced to the carnivore diet and uh, I said, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see me, you know, the idea was try it for 60 or 90 days, see if it helps your IBS um, and your your gut issues. Um, Within 90 days, all that stuff was healed and gone. Haven't had to deal with it. It's been over, I've been carnivore for five years plus now. And uh, that was just further reinforcement that there's so much more going on with our health about the food that we eat. It's not about calories. It's not about energy. It's about nutrition. There's a huge difference between the two discussions and what our body does with the food that we're eating um, has a huge impact on our quality of life. So that's where I'm at now, right? The, The combination of health and fitness, and then using what the way you think about all of this stuff and yourself and your, your vision for your life and your self-identity and all the different things um, is what brings the whole, the total package of how we get people from where they are to where they want to be. So coach, tell us how the fitness and the nutrition work together, because like you said, oh, there's two things I want to ask you actually. So I'm going to backtrack. How okay. long did it take you when, once you switched to carnivore for your IBS symptoms to go away? Because in my experience, when I work with clients, it's really quick. So how long mm-hmm. did that? I know you said 90 days and it was healed, but how long till it started to make a difference? Yeah, honestly, I don't, I can't immediately tell you. I would say within 30 to 60 days, I noticed within 30 or 60 days, I wasn't having the issues that I was having prior, but it took me about 90 days to realize, hey, wait a second, something's changed. Like it was so fast. I wasn't even really cognizant because I had been in such a rut and a habit of doing certain things to prepare for possible incidents, you know, go to the bathroom before you get in the car to go for a drive. Where any of you get where you're going, go to the bathroom again, just in case you have to go. You know, everything was revolved in my life revolved around where was the bathroom. I had toilet paper in my car. I, if I went on a hike, I brought toilet paper with me. Like it, it was just, it was everything when it came to my life. So it was about 90 days before I realized, hey, wait, maybe I don't have to go to the bathroom just in case when I get before I go to work in the morning or take a trip. You know, when I get wherever I'm going, if I don't feel like I have to go, then maybe it's because I don't have to go. And lo and behold, here I am, you know, five years later and if I don't, I, I, all of these things that I used to do, it's so weird to think about how many times my day was interrupted by trying to preemptively go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that's, and I've heard that a lot from my clients is they, some people just didn't want to go out because they were so worried that if that place didn't have a toilet or there wasn't a toilet nearby, they just brought there was a line. Yeah. That's the worst. When you know there's a toilet there, but there's people in front of you, and you're like, if I'm standing in this line and I got to go, I'm going to go right in this line. Like, it's not good. Yeah. And that's and that's really, it really affects your quality of life, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's horrible. I tell people, I've talked about this a lot, and it's, it's I don't, I didn't lose, I mean, I had a 70 pound weight loss in my journey, but you know, there are people who have lost 200 pounds, 300 pounds, 150, you know, whatever that is, large amounts of weight. Um, 
I can't relate to that, but I do feel that the amount of stress and the impact on my quality of life that I was living with is very similar, right? The weight that I lost off the shoulders of the stress and anxiety, depression that I felt, the way that I was living my life, I feel like is very similar to as if I had 150, 200 pounds to lose. Yeah. So what was your diet before? Was it just very high carb because you were training or was it more vegetarian? How, how was it? So before, before, so there's two befores. There's my before, before when I first realized I needed to change things. And then there was my before I found what the proper human diet actually was. Uh, so there, my before, before uh, was, uh, I'll just give you a typical day slash week of what I would eat in the in, normally. So my breakfast usually consisted of a Dunkin' Donuts uh, coffee with, I should say, sugar with some coffee in it. Um, that was my my drink in the morning. I would have at least one, maybe two Boston cream donuts. And then to be healthy, I would include two or three egg and cheese and bacon mini wraps, right? That was my healthy part of breakfast on top of the donuts and the coffee and everything else. Yeah. So that's how I started my day. Um, lunchtime was usually uh, a restaurant of some sort. Most often, most frequently, I would go to Red Robin, which for those of you that don't know, if you're not in the US, I don't know if they're international or not, but it's a gourmet burger restaurant chain where you get, they have all kinds of great burgers. I would usually get a chili cheese burger and that includes a bun, right? A huge bun, big, thick bun. But it also includes, this is the main reason I went there, was unlimited baskets of French fries. <laughs> so I was of the mindset because I'm, I just feel, think this way. If I'm going to spend money for this food and get unlimited fries, I can't just get one basket. I have to get two baskets. So I would eat two baskets of French fries pretty much not every day, but most days of the week on top of the burger and buns and the donuts and the coffee and everything else I was eating. And then dinner, because I was lazy, I was single. I was single, mostly a single at the time cooking for myself, i.e. going out to eat for dinner most of the time. And it was, or ordering out, it was a large pizza or it was takeout Chinese or takeout pad Thai or something like that. So there was always noodles or crust or something like that in the meal. Um, and I would get extras. My favorite meal was getting a large pad thai with extra chicken and two orders of spring rolls on the side. That was my favorite meal. So there were days where I literally ate um, that coffee, two donuts, uh, two baskets of French fries and a burger and a whole thing of pad thai with two sides of spring rolls in a day. I mean, that's I don't even know what the calories on that are, but that's probably you know, three, 4,000 calories and probably 500 grams of parks or something like that. Like it's ridiculous, yep. but that was my normal average thing. And then on top of that, uh, I was, you know, I, I had my job, but I also did, um, I did some, some part-time work as a bouncer at bars. So I was drinking all the time. Um, I was staying up late. My sleep schedule was absolutely horrendous. I, there's just so many things about the, the lifestyle that I was living at the time. It was not, not good. When I realized all of this, you know, I had this realization that I needed to make a change. Um, the French fries were the first thing I stopped doing. It took me about a year, a year to get to a point where I could have a French fry in the vicinity of my being 
and not have an urge to eat it. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me a long time. And I had a process that I'd go that I had to go through to make that happen. But it got to a point where I started looking at things um, not as if you do this, you know, I need to cut this out, I need to cut that out. I started thinking about where did I want to go and the choices that I needed to make to get there. So I try to look at this whole journey as a journey of growth, not a journey of loss. A lot of people get stuck into, I feel like I'm losing this. I feel like I've got to, I got to cut this out of my life. It's like, okay, yeah, those are all actualities. It's a reality of life. If you want to do something different, you got to get rid of the things that are keeping you from doing those things, right? But in order to do something different and go to a new place, you also have to add new things. Yeah. So the thing, the part of that you focus on is going to be where you get your energy from. If I focus on the fact that I dropped my French fries, then I'm going to be depressed about not having French fries all the time. If I focus on the fact that I can now eat a steak every night for dinner if I want to and enjoy that and not feel like crap afterwards and build muscle and have energy the next day and sleep well that night, I'm adding those things into my life. Yeah. And that gives me energy because now I'm looking forward. So that's kind of how I looked at the whole process. Um, I was shortly uh, shortly after the French fries, or kind of during the French fries, there's French fry, um, the French fry reframe, we'll call it. I uh, I was introduced to CrossFit, started doing CrossFit down a gym in my area that I could go do it, do that, fell with it really quickly. Uh, decided that, you know, I was ending an IT career over 20 years in IT. I wanted to do something different. So I, I got certified as a coach, started coaching. A couple of years into that, I opened up my own gym uh, and things were going great, right? I opened my gym. I ended up leaving my job, running the gym full time. Uh, and then about, Six years into my journey, like I said before, I realized that I just wasn't wasn't where I wanted to be. So let's do something on the nutrition side of things again. Let's look at nutrition again. At this time, um, I was pretty much whole foods paleo kind of kind of nutrition. So this is the second. This is the next before before yeah. before standard American really crappy. Then the next before is now pretty much all whole foods. I didn't eat processed foods. I didn't eat a lot of sugar. It was meat, but mostly veggies. There's a lot of Brussels sprouts and spaghetti squash and zucchini and tomatoes and uh, spinach and all that kind of stuff was was highly. That's where most of not, I wouldn't say most of my food, but um, when I we, when I ate meat, meat wasn't the focus. Mm -hmm. Meat was on the plate, um, but it wasn't the focus. So you know and. You know, again, I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? I'm doing healthy. I'm eating healthy now. I'm not eating processed foods. Now, alcohol was still there, right? That was that was the big that probably was the biggest thing on the plate at the time. Um, which after that 21 day detox of not having alcohol, I was it was really hard for me to pour a drink of alcohol after that. Realizing that, oh my God, just three weeks of cutting that alcohol out, I lost 10 pounds of fat. What could I do if I never had it again? Where could I be without this thing holding me back? You know, and again, looking at where I wanted to go was a lot, made the cutting out of alcohol way easier, right? It's been seven, six years now, almost six years since I haven't really had alcohol. I think I may have had a glass of alcohol twice in that time, you know, and it, and I don't miss it. You know, it's hard to let it go. I still, I still think of myself as a bourbon guy. I've got 12 bottles of bourbon in my closet right now that have been sitting there for years. 
you know, it just, I just, they're there. I just can't bring myself to get rid of them because number one, it's been a lot of money for them. Yeah. Number two, I just appreciate, I appreciate bourbon so much that it's hard for me to let them go, but I don't drink it. And it's, uh, it's amazing what has happened in my life since I stopped. Mm. So that, that aspect of it is really fascinating. Uh, and then from the whole foods, like I said, I wasn't doing a lot of processed food. I was doing a lot of plants going to a carnivore diet. I did that. I decided to do that overnight. That was a, uh, let's look at it. I heard the, I was introduced to it through, uh, the Dr. Baker, Joe Rogan podcast. I will listen to that. I did as much research as I could at the time. This was in April of 2018 and couldn't find much. It really, at the time, there wasn't much out there. There was a couple blogs, a couple, one or two Facebook groups, um, I found a couple people out there doing things and followed them and contacted them um, and uh, decided, all right, I'll give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So just decided on May 1st being, this is when I'm doing it. So May 1st, 2018 was my first day as a carnivore. Uh, I ate all the meat I had in the house and I ran out. I just went out and got more. Uh, the the savings in money, the stress of shopping, the, the amount of cooking and preparation, like everything immediately simplified in my life. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've loved it ever since. And I've had a blast doing it. It's been, I'm 51 years old. I've been doing it for over five years. Excellent. So you didn't, so you didn't even go paleo to keto to carnivore. You just went paleo to nope, straight in. Carnivore. Well done. Straight in. Yep. <laughs> and so Tell us about what sort of carnivore you are, because when you when people say they're real food keto, that's really easy to understand. You're eating real food and you're mm -hmm. keeping your carbs really low. But when people say I'm carnivore, there is such a scope of carnivore from, you know, if you take Paul Saladino and eating some fruits and vegetables and honey and things like that, that he includes to the mm -hmm. other end to the lion diet, then there's a there's a great expanse in between where do you yeah. sit on that spectrum yeah it's a really difficult conversation because it kind of frustrates me to be honest with you i think carnivore is is such a generic term and at the same time i i've i kind of feel like why does it even matter how people define it you know the idea behind it is what matters and i'm a, i'm a big believer in principles over protocols so if I say carnivore and you understand that to mean that I'm mostly animal-based and whole foods and the foods that I eat, then that's all that matters to me. If I include honey, if I include berries, whatever, if it floats your boat, have a blast. You know what I mean? If you want to get specific about it, a hyper carnivore by definition is 70% animal meat. So 30% of your diet could be plants and you could still call yourself a carnivore. Yeah. Ah, there's people that want to shoot me right now. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of the listeners listening that, you know, yeah. maybe they're considering it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to adjust. So I'm just asking you where where you where are you on that? Yeah, I don't eat plants. That's just my preference. I for me, I look at everything as a uh, as a financial transaction. It's either a plus it's it's either a net negative or net positive for my for my health bank account and my quality of life uh balance, you want to call it. Uh, the things that I know will mess me up all come from plants. Okay. So any plant for me is a net negative. Uh, now that doesn't mean that I won't have a strawberry 
right? Or a couple of strawberries if there's one in front of me, because strawberries are amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that if there's, I don't know, if if I get served a pickle on the side of my plate that I might that I won't eat half of it. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not looking at this as a religious thing. I'm looking at this as a practical thing of is it sustainable and is it working? Yeah. And I think that's where people need to look. What what level of carnivore, if you want to define levels, what level of carnivore is going to work for you? And one of the messages that I've got that I want to, that I'll probably reiterate five times while we're on this, this chat is be, don't be afraid to experiment. So for anybody that's listening and you're thinking, I want to try carnivore, then fantastic. Go for it. So you can, you have two options. You can start on the least restrictive version of carnivore, or you can start on the most restrictive. Either way, you have options to move from one to the other because it's your life. It's your decision. So if you want to start lion diet and say, what is it? What is life like? How do I feel? Is this sustainable? Can I enjoy this? Can I keep doing it? Do I like the results? That's the biggest part. If I just go beef, salt, and water for 90 days, 30 days, 60 days, two weeks, whatever it may be, how do I feel? What is that doing for me? If you make tremendous progress doing that, then you have an option. You got to think to yourself now, okay, this is working really well. Can I sustain it? And do I want to keep doing it this way? Yeah. If the answer is no, Okay, well, then what's the next step? If I go to the next step and I say, you know what? I also want to add in eggs and butter. So now I'm going to do beef and butter and eggs and salt and water. Okay, great. How oh, is that working for you? Is that working for you? Great. That's working too? Well, fantastic. Can you sustain that? Well, maybe I can't. Maybe every once in a while I want some bacon or some pork or some chicken. All right, throw those in there too. You want some lamb? Throw that in there too. You have the choice to, to play around with what's working for you. The thing that's important, and I'll say this again. Now, this is another thing I'll say five times. Principles more than protocols. The principles behind why the ketogenic diet works, a whole foods ketogenic diet. Get rid of the crap, focus on animal-based foods, eat whole foods, and you're done. That's it. That's really all you got to do. It has, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Eat animal-based foods. You're going to get your protein and your fat. Keep it to whole foods so you're not getting a bunch of ad, extra processed man-made stuff that's going to mess you up and just be consistent. It's, it's not that complicated. So whatever combination of foods you want to throw into that mix, right, then have a blast with it, but experiment, play around, find what works best for you. Yeah. Don't get stuck on this is how I'm ketoing. Your keto is going to be different than every. There are a 5 billion different versions of keto out because you know there's so many ones yeah i totally agree and if you feel okay if you feel good then carry on do if what you get, if the only rule is your progress how well are you moving towards your goals and if you're not moving towards your goals then you need to evaluate what can i change to help me get there if that's something that you're eating or something that you're not eating if that's something that you're doing physically or something that you're not doing physically if that sleep that you're getting or sleep that you're not getting or relationships that you have or relationships that you don't have, there's all types of different things that play a factor in that equation. So I don't want anyone to get stuck in thought that it's just the nutrition, right? When we talk about quality of life, we're talking about the whole person. Yeah. There's a lot of things to that. And stress is a big one as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's one of the big reasons I think you were going to ask me, uh, we were going to talk about, you know, health and nutrition and how, how they play a role. Yeah. How they right, work together. together. And how, how they work together. 
Yeah, and um, does it does it matter? No, I know it doesn't matter. But what would you say if somebody? So if somebody is has focused up until now on their nutrition, maybe they're doing a little bit of fitness, but not a huge amount. How can they incorporate more? And yeah. at the same time, if they come in full on, I've got to exercise my way out of this. There's, there are two questions. So attack them how you like. If I've got to exercise Actually, the, same, the, the answer is the same for both. The answer is the same for both. Yeah. So how let me answer that question and then we'll get into how, the, how the, they work together. So if you're doing one and you're trying to figure out how to do the other, the first thing you have to understand, you have to reset, is why are you doing it in the first place? Because your purpose, your reason for doing it is the core reason, the core impetus for why you chose the method of fixing what you thought you were fixing. Okay. You chose your this nutrition plan because you thought it was going to do X for you or this fitness plan because you thought it was going to do X for you. That was the answer to your question. The question wasn't broad enough because if the question was broad enough and deep, it's weird to say this at the same time, broad and deep, okay? The question was expansive enough to include your entire quality of life and deep enough to give you a connection to why you need to do it in a way that's going to keep you doing it consistently, then it would have included both nutrition and fitness from the beginning because you would have been looking at things through a different lens. You would have been looking at things through a quality of life lens not a fat loss lens, which is what 99% of people look at it at. They look at how do I get skinny? How do I lose fat? How do I lose weight? And the answer for that is, is it's it, there's there's very simple, small, singular answers for to answer that very simple, small, singular problem. The answer to weight loss is not a difficult thing. Okay. The problem is we think it's hard because in order to do it, we have to do things that we're not naturally inclined to do. We have to starve ourselves or we have to work our butts off. Yeah. Right. That's really it. Which okay. works terribly well on the, in the right. long run. Well, do for a short period of time, but they're not sustainable because anytime you try to make a change, the thing that you do to make the change, you have to keep doing to keep the change. Yeah. So if you're starving yourself all the time to lose weight, guess what? You got to keep starving yourself all the time to keep it off. So that's not sustainable. It doesn't work that way. And the same with working out. That's why you see people that are cardio bunnies, right? Or cardio addicts who get on the, the, the treadmill or the elliptical or whatever it is, and they're, they're on there for three hours a day, and you, you, they look the same as they did five years ago, right? Because they're doing the wrong thing, because they're thinking about the goal in the wrong way. The goal is, how do I improve my quality of life? You didn't wake up one morning and think, I just want to, I want to lose 70 pounds. I want to lose 100 pounds just because. It's not something you just think, just be, hey, this is something on a whim that I'm going to decide to do. You want to lose the weight because you think the weight is a is what the cause of your problems in life, your unhappiness, your depression, your discontent, whatever it may be. You think that's going to fix what's wrong with your life. And unfortunately, it's never the case. I don't know anybody who's lost a significant amount of weight and then just been automatically happy with themselves. Yeah, they're glad they reached a goal but they still have limitations. They still have medical issues. They still have physical limitations. They still have a lot of things. Now, uh, that opens up the door for growth on the fitness side of things when you lose the weight, obviously, right? There's a lot of people who, who feel like I need to lose this weight before I can do something exercise-wise. Um, that's, I think that can work. I think it um, doesn't have to work that way. I've worked with people that are severely obese and their ability to move, even if it's in bed, 
increases the progress that the nutrition is helping them with. Mm. Anytime, and we'll segue into this, anytime that you combine fitness and nutrition together, your progress is going to be way better, way faster, way more sustainable than if you just do one versus the other. Yeah. So, and that's really where the key is. Our body is designed to work. Okay. So it doesn't matter how much, how much or what type of fuel you're putting in the engine if you're not using the engine. The car stays in the garage. It's not going to do anything for anybody if it just sits there. Okay. So when we work our body, we then can leverage the things that we're doing. So now we're getting good input and we're getting better utilization. And that's where everything starts coming together. Our metabolism starts working better. And by metabolism, I mean the entire function of our body. Metabolism, to clarify this for your listeners, your metabolism is not how you burn fuel. Your metabolism is the core total of all of the chemical processes in your body, all of the functions of your body, how your body works, how your body does digestion, your immune system, your mental function, your cardiovascular system, your how your muscles contract, yeah. right? your reproductive organs, your hormones, your how your hair grows, all of those functions have to function and that is part of your metabolism. So it's not just an energy system. If your hormones are dysfunctional, that's because your metabolism isn't functioning properly. If your gut, if you have IBS, it's because your metabolism isn't functioning properly. So metabolism is not burning fuel. Metabolism is actual function. So if you want to optimize your metabolism, if you want to improve the function of your human body factory, then we need to make it do the things it's supposed to do so it gets better. Our body has this really cool thing called specific adaptation to impose demands. It's called the said principle. And we use it in exercise, exercise science, but I think it's really applicable to this process of improving your metabolism. No system improves in a state of misuse or, or, or unuse. If I don't use a system, it cannot improve. Our body is a system, is a multitude of systems. Yep. None of those things can get better if they don't get used. Right. So when let's using using exercise as an example, if I want to get stronger and improve the system of my muscular function to build muscle, increase muscle mass, and improve strength, what do I have to do? I have to go lift weights. I have to use my muscles, then I have to let them rest so that they can grow and get stronger. Then I have to use them again. If I never use my muscles, what happens to my muscles? Atrophy. They waste away. Yeah. I get weaker. That's what's happening. So we're, everyone's focused on losing weight by nutrition and we're not using our bodies. So the entire function of what we're doing is going the opposite direction, even though we're improving the food that we're putting in. So that's that's how the two of them are tied together. Yeah. Um, the, the other aspect of that, you talked about stress. And that is, there are two major types of stress. If we look at high level, right? We have two areas, not even types of stress, areas of stress. We have internal stress, right? That's inside. Think about inside our body, our biological system, internal stress. And we have external stress that we is placed on us, physical stress. So nutrition is really good. When you clean up your nutrition, you clean up the seed oils, you clean up the processed foods, you start eating whole foods, animal-based, animal fats, animal proteins, eggs. Oh my God, I love eggs, right? You start doing that stuff. What are you doing? You are removing... Firstly, you're removing 
stresses from your internal system. You're removing internal stress. Yep. Secondly, you're building your body's internal capability to manage metabolic stress. Okay. So you're improving the internal, your body's internal stress management infrastructure. Right. And then on the physical side of things, our external stress, that's where we have the physical, the stress that we get from work, working in our job, doing things around the house, activities we do with our kids or grandkids, walking the dog, mowing the yard, weeding the garden, moving the furniture, whatever it may be, right? And emotional stress, relationship stress, work stress, interpersonal relationships, those are all emotional stresses, but where do they manifest themselves? They manifest physically. We get tired, we get fatigued, we get sore, we get all these different things happen, right? So the more we're able to train ourselves, this is one thing I love about fitness. Every time you work out, you are putting yourself in your own controlled, stressful environment and training your body using that specific adaptation proposed demands principle, right? Training your body under a controlled stressor how to handle physical stress and making it better at doing it. So when uncontrolled physical stress, i.e. life, is placed on you, you can handle it better. Yeah. So when you exercise, you are improving your external ability to handle stress and building that stress management infrastructure for external stress. So the two of them, without one or the other, you have a huge gap in your ability to manage stress. Yeah, that it does make sense. But I did notice, so I started on the nutrition side. Yeah. And I noticed that... After a while, things didn't bother me as much anymore. So things that would stress me out or make me angry or frustrated just didn't. So, you know, just changing my diet did affect how I approach life and life approached me. It was very different. Absolutely. But I and, get and that's a- if you're if you're gonna if you're then putting a stress on your body, then your body's gotta adapt. So I one of the things I do is um cold water swimming um okay that's quite a stress on the body sometimes mm-hmm. i come yes. out and i just fall asleep because my body <laughs> is really stressed because i've been in too long in the cold water too long mm-hmm. um but yes i get that you're pushing yourself in whichever way you choose to exercise is and just adding another layer of stress that your body has to deal with Absolutely. And they, and they overlap. And this is the cool thing about it. Like, I I love what you just said. When you ate, you started looking at things differently, your mental, your outlook on things changed that they, so you didn't get as stressed out. So what you're talking about is the internal stress mechanism was, was kicked in to manage that internal, your internal response, right. Which didn't create physical manifestation. Yeah. So you just cut that whole part out altogether. It didn't even have to get to the physical because the internal took over. And the same thing can happen with the internal, with the external, right? So when we exercise, our body create, our muscles create hormones that go to our brain that actually make us feel good. So exercise is one of the best treatments for depression, right? So doing something physical, not only is it building your physical ability and building your your physical stress management system, but it's also doing things internally. So there's a huge amount of overlap where the two of them really are, you really need them both. You know, I tell people all the time, fitness and nutrition are 50 feet for quality of life. You're just looking for six packs. It's all nutrition. You do that and you can do that just by starving yourself. 
you want to improve quality of life, you need both equally. Yeah. So if somebody's starting out, say they, from, if you take me six years ago, I had no idea about exercise. I didn't want to do any. Why would anyone want to choose to do exercise? I couldn't understand it. <laughs> um, what sort of exercise do people need to start bringing in right at the beginning? Um, I love how you said that. Why would you choose to do it when you don't understand it? That's really a big, that's a big issue. That's one of my biggest things. I try to educate people on what fitness is and why it's important. Um, as far as what you would want to do, uh, there's, it's, it's really, uh, the first thing I want to under, I want you to understand is everyone to understand is the requirement for your needs is based on your lifestyle. What lifestyle do you want to live as an individual? And it's going to be different for everybody. So if the if your greatest aspiration in life at whatever place you are in your journey is to be able to play with your grandkids on the weekends and not feel wore out at the end of the week, at the end of the weekend, so you can do the rest of your week and be okay, then the things that you need to do for your fitness should be focused on being able to do that. That's the limit. That's the maximum of your physical uh, aspirations right now. Then that's what you should be trying to do. I want to be able to do this with my kids, with my grandkids. Now, what does that mean? That means there's probably a subset of movements, bodily functions that you need to be able to have, which fall within what I, what are the seven essential movements that everyone needs to be able to do, right? So everyone should be able to squat. Everyone should be able to uh, lunge, right? Walking up the stairs is a lunging movement. People don't think about that, right? Um, everyone should be able to hinge at the hips, bend over and pick something up. Yep. Okay. Everyone should be able to push something or pull something. Yep. Everyone should be able to carry something and everyone should be able to twist their torso without hurting their back. Right. Those are the main seven things that everyone should be able to do. And those are the basic movements. You can do those in a chair. I've got a beginner program that's that's literally designed for people who are struggling or just getting started at the very beginner level. You sit in a chair and you do some of these movements and just practice the movement. And that's the biggest thing, right? Practicing the movement can be work. Yeah. You know, until you get to just thinking about, oh, I don't know if I can go to a gym and do all, you don't need to. You can do it from home. You know, there's the 1% rule that I like to talk about. And that is, you know, whatever you're doing, Progress doesn't require you. We talk about jumping over the, we talk about getting out of your comfort zone in order to see progress. There's no requirement on how far across the comfort zone you have to go, just across the line. Yes. So a lot of people are, have this picture in their head of what they need to do to start fitness. And that's a 10 foot jump across that comfort zone. No wonder you haven't started yet. Yeah. Why don't you just take, take one step over the line and just walk up and down your stairs a couple times extra a day. Or every time you get up out of your chair to go do something before you sit down again, do 10 chair squats, right? Something like that. If you walk out to your mailbox, walk out to your mailbox and then walk out to the end of the corner of the street and then come back inside, right? There's little things that you can start doing on a daily basis just to increase your physical activity and base it off of what are the things that you want to be able to do more often. Yeah. You know? I I find some when I'm with talking with clients that yes, I say, okay, so what are you going to do in terms of exercise or something? And they say, 
I'm going to go out running three times a week for 30 minutes. And it's like, whoa, hold on. You want to go from zero to yeah, right? <laughs> 30 minutes three times a week. How about if you just did two minutes twice a week? Could you do that? Because they're more likely to do that than and can and continue and grow that yes. time and that distance than to do three times a week. Or no, quite often they'll say every day, I'm going to do that every day. Yeah. And that's yep. just, it doesn't fit in with your life. You have to start making changes in your life to accommodate that time. That's quite a chunk of yeah. time when you've gone from nothing to 30 minutes. So I try and get them to do one minute or two minutes once, twice, three times a week, and then build from there. Because that's awesome. Yeah. Because going from zero to Some, yeah, something about something about humans. I don't know what it is. We want to do whenever we make a change, it has to be drastic. We can't just go, oh, I'm going to make a change. I'm just going to do this one little thing. Yeah. Like it's not a big enough statement. I don't know. I don't know what it is about our psyches, but we can't just make one little change. That's what really works for most people. You know, you know, depending on what it is for me, like I said, for me going carnivore, that was a huge change, but it really wasn't because number one, I was ready, willing, and able. That's the, that's the three things. What are you ready, willing, and able to do? And be honest with yourself when you ask yourself these questions. If I'm going to make a change, what am I ready, willing, and able to do? I'm ready to make a change. Why am I ready to make a change? You should be able to explain in detail, in emotional detail, why you're ready to make a change. Okay. Yep. Then are you willing to make a change? Will you actually do this? Or are you just saying you're going to do it because it sounds good and you think that's the expectation that other people will have for you? Right. Um, I I like I I have a thing about people who not people, the idea that in order to commit to something, I have to announce it publicly. I used to think that way. And I, I'm kind of of the belief now that if I have to announce it publicly in order to have accountability to do it, then I'm looking for external motivation because I don't have my own. Yeah. And if I have my own motivation, and I've seen this evident in the things that I've done in my life, if I want to do something, I will do it. People will find out when I'm done. That's how it should be. Yes. You don't look, if you're looking for other people to acknowledge what you're doing, or you need that external accountability, it's because you don't really want to do it. And if you don't really want to do it, then don't say you're going to do it. Yeah. So when it comes to the willing part, you should be ready. You should be able to explain why you're ready. You should be willing, whatever you're willing to do. If that means it's not big and flashy, it's okay. If you have in your mind that what I need to do is run for 30 minutes, three days a week or every day of the week, but you really, you know, in your heart of hearts that you're not going to freaking do that. Right. But if I say, I'm going to walk around the block once every day, that is doable. That is sustainable. That is something that I know I can keep that promise to myself. Then that's what you do because sustainability and consistency and sustainability, consistency and sustainability are the two most important factors. The intensity that you apply is less important than the fact that you apply something on a regular basis. Yeah. So that's what it comes to the willing. And then the able to do is, are you able to do it? There are some things that you may say, I'm going to do this. And then when you actually start to try to do it, you're like, well, crap, that means I got to change my schedule. I got to get up early. I got to stay up late. I got to do all this other stuff. I can't do that on this day because of that. There's just a lot of practical logistic daily things 
um, that may come up that you had set this idea and you realized I didn't think ahead and I actually can't do that. So you need to make sure that whatever you say you're ready to do, say that you're willing to do, that you actually can do it. Right. Um, You know, and that also goes to, you know, people like, like you're saying, you got clients who say they want to do 30, 30 minutes of running. If you can't walk a mile, you're not going to do any running for 30 minutes. Right. So don't set goals that are so lofty that you physically can't do them until you're ready to do them. So keep that realistic. It's something that you actually have the ability to accomplish. Yeah. So ability in your physical ability to do it, but mm-hmm. also from what you said, does it fit in your calendar? Does it fit in your day? Can you physically fit it into what you're currently doing? And if you can't, what do you have to let go of to be able to fit that in? And maybe you're not willing to let go of something yet. So yeah. start smaller. Well, there, that goes, uh, you can, we can throw that in the able too, right? What are you able to do? What are you able to reprioritize? Yeah. Cause that's a huge part of it. Some people don't want to reprioritize, but guess what? Everyone, re- everyone's got priorities and sometimes those priorities shift and you need to be okay with understanding what am I trying to do right now? And I can't do that. If this priority is here and this priority is here, they need to swap themselves for now. Yes. And be okay you with really that. You really have to let something go, whether yeah. that's, whether that's TV time, sleep, um, getting up earlier, not yeah. doing something else with your kids, maybe, which you might not want to exactly. let go. Exactly. I get that. I get, I, yeah. get. I get that a lot. The biggest aspect I see with that with my clients, most of my clients are women. 99% of my clients are women over 40. And the biggest conversations that we have on this this, this area of discussion is the idea that caring for themselves is never the priority. It's always about taking care of their family, taking care of their, their kids, taking care of their husband, taking care of the house, doing all these other things are always more important. Um, and we have to, we, we work really hard to let, you know, help them understand that self-care is not selfish and that you have to be, if you put yourself in that role of being the only person that can give, then you will drain yourself dry. And the priority has to be you at the top and then everything else comes under you. And that mindset is just so foreign to most of the, the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you have to put yourself first yeah. and it's not selfish. You're doing it so that if you have a passion, if you really love being that nurturer and taking care of your family, you have to do it from a full bucket. And if you don't take care of yourself as a priority, you'll never do the rest of it to your fullest ability. Yeah. And it has to be that way. And so, I think also, you know, in terms of women doing this, they're also leading by example. So if you're willing to show that you can take some time for yourself we're not saying all time but you can take some time for yourself and look after yourself then that's a great lesson lesson you're teaching your kids as well absolutely absolutely so do you find that most people come to you for weight loss yes and how so how 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 does the reframe go because i because i you know i came to this way of eating sort of for weight loss um but that was my main focus but it very quickly within a year i would say it shifted to become more around health and well-being um 
and and we you know I used to have, um Louise used to be my co-host and she would say we come for weight loss but we stay for the health benefits how does that work with your clients yeah so I'm in a, a little unique space because I actually a lot most of my message as you can tell isn't about weight loss my message is about quality of life and freedom yeah uh, I want people to understand what it's like to live their life without physical limitations and that's a combination of all the things we've talked about um, and to be successful and maintain the, that freedom for as long as possible. So I actually, most of my clients come for fat, for fat loss or weight loss in the aspect that that's where they've been stuck. So they're, so they're come to me because they realize something about what they've been doing isn't working. Most of my clients and most of the people I work with have been doing keto carnivore for six months, a year, two years, five years six years, whatever. Uh, and they've been at a, the same place for that time. They initially moved to it. They love it. They feel great. They feel better than they ever did, but they've been stuck. They still got medical issues. They've still got weight loss that they want to have. They still feel like there's limitations in their lives and they haven't quite got where they thought keto was going to get them. And the idea that combination of fitness, which is the one thing that they were trying to avoid could yeah. be the answer, right? Is intriguing, but at the same time, it's scary. So that's why I try to present it as simply as possible. I try to provide options and solutions and services that let people, you know, work with where they are and try to move them from in a progression from where they are to where they want to be. Um, but understanding that changing the mindset the mindset shift when people work with me is usually changing from let's stop looking at your weight and start looking at the 18 million other things that can show that your life is getting better and that's one of the biggest things i love to talk about is how when you include fitness in your life you never stall there's no such thing as a stall if you're including some aspect of fitness in your life yeah. right when we when we talk about a stall most people in the keto space, they say, I stall. What are they talking about? They're talking about they, they haven't lost any weight. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Have you gained muscle? Have you improved your strength, speed, stamina, endurance, agility, flexibility, mobility, right? Coordination, balance. Have you improved your body's ability to process energy for short work, for long work, for intense work? Have you improved any of the seven essential movements? Can you squat better? Can you pull better? Can you lunge better? Can you sit down and stand up without hurting yourself? Can you get up and down off the floor? Like the list is unending when we talk about the physical aspects. Of, because think about it, we live in a physical world. If we can't operate in a physical world, then how can we expect to live any level of freedom and independence in that world? Yeah. Right. Weight loss is has means absolutely nothing when it comes to independence and physical ability. So that's the mind frame. That's that's the reframe that we go through in my programs is understanding that the scale can tell you one thing, your life is going to tell you a different thing. And we're looking at your life. We're not looking at the scale. Yeah. And and the changes are massive, usually. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So coach. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to touch on today? Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. <laughs> we could talk for hours. We could talk about um, how to build muscle. We could talk about 
high fat versus high protein. We could talk about the mental side of things. What is habit change? How do you take ownership of your journey? Like there's so many things we could talk about. Okay. We have to do, we have to do more of these. I was going to say, are we going to do it tonight or maybe another time? <laughs> no, we, I, I got to go to the gym in a little bit. So we could, I, we could, I'd love to schedule another one and do another one, but maybe we can talk more about the mindset stuff. Yeah. Another time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah, do, let's yeah. do another oh. one. No, I quite like also how do you build muscle? I, okay. All three things that you said would be great. So maybe we need two or three. Yeah, I'm down for it. Oh, I well. love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I get to talk about it all the time, which is great. <laughs> um, so nothing else that you want to mention today? Right now, I think um, you're going to add. You, we're going to talk about my three tips, right? I'll, I can dig into those a little bit, and that that uh, will kind of that will add some 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 stuff to it. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So before we get there, why don't you tell people how they can follow you on social media? How can they contact you? How can they sure. find out about the programs that you offer and all things like that, and what they so involve? the the best place to find information about me is at my website, which is coachbronson.com. Mm-hmm. Super complicated. Yeah. And then on YouTube, it's coach.bronson. Another again, you already just type in coach Bronson on YouTube, you'll it'll come up. And then Instagram is the same, coach.bronson. Those are the three places to get hold of me. Perfect. And you can shoot me a message. Uh you can drive I have a contact form on my website, or you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. Right. And if they go onto your website, can they see the programs that you're offering and things like that? Yeah, I, my main program is a boot camp. I do some other things that if you're interested in, you can contact me about it just said we'll set up a call or you can do an email exchange of different things but the main thing that i do is a a group it's a group-based individual coaching program it's my f2 method boot camp and basically it is a uh it's a monthly subscription where you get group membership to a community you get a coach you get a whole other team of people that you work with there's an exercise programs at all different levels there's nutrition coaching, nutrition guidelines. You get a weekly uh, check-in with a coach to go over your progress, any challenges you're having, uh, nutrition guidance, check your macros, check your workouts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then there's also community calls. So every week we have some type of a call, whether it's a group call with me, it's a group call with your coach, whether it's a special guest speaker. Um, like we had coach Jen Winkler on last month. We'll have Tim Jensen on this month. We've got you know, Maria Emmerich coming on in a couple months. We got Amy Berger. We got a bunch of people. So we have people come in every month and do some kind of expert talk or discussion within the group. Um, so that's that's my main program that that people have been really loving and getting in because you get that group aspect uh, of like a challenge. Like I'm joining this challenge and we're doing this stuff and it's kind of fun and everyone else is doing it. So it's kind of rah-rah. At the same time, you're getting it's a coach who's working with you one-on-one every week. Right. What is your feedback? What are your results? What's happening with you? And then I can give you very specific feedback. So you're not getting lost in the mix like a lot of group programs. Right. I've run a lot of group programs. I've done a lot of one on one. And the one drawback to every group program that I've ever had is that somebody, as even as much as I try to give everybody the answers and the, the assistance they need, somebody always falls through the cracks in a group program. So this is both. This is a combination of that group environment, but you get one-on-one work as well. Perfect. Excellent. So let's, thank you for that. Um, So let's go to your three top tips. Yep. All right. The first thing I want to let everyone know, my first tip is when you are trying to figure out why you're doing this, you have to keep digging and asking yourself why over and over and over again. 
I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Because I don't feel happy when I'm overweight. Why don't you feel happy when you're overweight? Well, because when I was growing up, blah, blah, blah. Why that? Well, because deep digging. There's something about the change that you want to make that you need to get in touch with that is an emotional connection. Okay? And here's why that's important. The things that you're doing to keep you unhealthy and sick have an emotional attachment. You have an emotional attachment to them. Okay. I used to have an emotional attachment to to French fries. I understand what that's like, right? I used to have an emotional attachment to alcohol. I used to have an emotional attachment to Boston cream donuts. I love Boston cream donuts. You have no idea. (laughs) Okay. So what I had to do was give myself or find out what it is about the things I wanted in my life that I could attach an emotion to or the things that I didn't want in my life. It's your why or your why not. What don't you want in your life anymore? What are you absolutely sick and tired of? Okay. Your the, your reason for doing this, for starting this journey and making these changes should make you sad, mad, angry, depressed, happy, hopeful, excited, cheerful, some kind of emotion. I don't care what emotion it is. It needs, it needs to be something. Okay. Your why should make you cry. And if it doesn't, then the emotional connection you have to the things that are holding you back will always be stronger. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a reason that makes you do something because you absolutely don't have a choice because it is so emotionally connected to your actions that the action will win every time. Yeah. That's just, that's tip number one. Yeah. And I, I'm going to add something in there as well, because we were talking about um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation is mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing it for someone else. It has, 100%. It, it, you have to dig into your core as to why you want to do that. Because yes. if you're doing it because someone else wants you to do it, it's never going to, it's never going to stick. It's never going to stick. Nope. Not at all. Uh, second thing, and this will be, if we ever do a, a, if we ever talk again and we talk about ownership, this will come up. Um, if there's one phrase that I will nip in the bud every single time I hear it from a client is I fell off the wagon. Mm. Okay. I need everyone listening to understand something. You're the one driving the wagon. You're not sitting in the back. You can't fall off. If you get out of the wagon, that's your choice. Okay. You're driving. Okay. You can't fall off. You're driving. So understanding that term and the words falling off the wagon are a subconscious scapegoat with you not acknowledging and putting the blame on your actions on the food or the situation and avoiding the confrontation you have to have with yourself of asking yourself, why did I do this? Right? It's an avoidance of doing the work to become self-aware. And self-awareness is the key to changing habits. So now you're going to get me going down a whole nother road, Jackie, (laughs) right? Habit change doesn't start until you acknowledge that there's a habit that needs to be changed. Yeah. Right. So understanding and taking ownership of the fact that every action in your life is a choice is the first step to that. So if you're one who says, I fell off the wagon, then ask yourself, why do you think you're falling off the wagon? Because you're driving, you can't fall. Right. You made a choice to pull over on the side of the road 
or take a detour or do whatever. And then you got down, put the reins down, put the steering down and walked out of the way. You made a choice. You may not have realized it, but you made a choice. Yeah. So that's the first step in, in building self-awareness so that you can change habits. Yeah, absolutely. That's I cover that. Uh, yeah. And then the third thing we talked about earlier, and just a reminder to everybody, don't be afraid to experiment. Yeah. If you're doing something, there's no wrong answer. Try it. If it doesn't work, now you know something that doesn't work. It's it it say it will save you time. It would be better for you to try a bunch of things, not because you think they're magic pills, but because you're trying to collect data. There's a whole different aspect there. Okay, I tried this; it didn't work. This sucks. I'm trying something because I think it may work because of X, Y, and Z. When I talk about experiment, I'm not talking about trying random things because other people said to try them. Okay, if we're going to apply scientific method that you're going to try and experiment, you need to go into it with a goal. This is what I would like to see happen. If I do this for this amount of time and I'm consistent and then this will happen or this won't happen. That is an experiment. Just doing what Dr. Boz said for a couple of weeks and that didn't work. And then doing what Dr. Barry said for a couple of weeks and that didn't work. And then doing what Dr. Westman said for a couple of weeks and that didn't work and doing what so-and-so said, like, that's no, that's not experimenting. Okay, that's searching for a magic pill. There's a difference. Yeah. Experimenting, part of experimenting is collecting data. So if you're not collecting data, tracking what you're doing, tracking the results, what did I change this time? Okay, there, that has to be part of the process. And I'm not saying you need to break out a spreadsheet and calculators and all this other kind of stuff, but even if it's just some kind of journal or notes that you're taking, something to say, I can go back and look at what I've learned through the process is going to help you actually move forward and identify the things that work, identify the things that don't work. And then you start building a picture that worked, that worked, that worked, that worked. And now you have a whole list of things, you know, that are working for you. And you can never say you haven't found something because you got a list right in front of you. Yeah. So those are my three tips. So I have a journal called the fabulously keto diet and lifestyle journal. Uh, hey, awesome. Which I haven't got a copy here. Yes, I have. Um, which would be brilliant. Sorry, I'm just going off camera here. Which would be brilliant for people doing that because um, yeah, what absolutely. It, what it does is, you know, you where are you starting from? It's even got places to add your own photos in and things. And nice. And you know, every day, can't really see very well, but every day I can see. Yeah, great. That's good. It's you know what? Checkboxes. How do you feel? What have you eaten? What went well? What didn't go well? What's going to get in the way tomorrow? All these things. Anyway, yeah, it's available from my website. That's awesome. Go get the go get the the journal, guys. <laughs> Is it on Amazon? Where do people get it? Yeah, it's on Amazon um, or from my website. Um, so yeah, okay. cool. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, we had sorry, just because I interrupted you there. No, no, you're good. Your wife. Yeah, your wife should make you. I should make you cry. You're driving the wagon and don't be afraid to experiment and experiment properly rather than just jumping yes. around from one thing to another, which is yep. what I do, which I shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. And thank you for having me. Brilliant speaking to you. And we'll definitely get you back again. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thank you.
It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>